Hi, everybody. I'm Michaela, your host of the Picked Podcast. I'm a recent public relations grad based in Utah. I own a floral design business. And basically, I started this podcast as a way to share stories on societal topics and make more friends in the wedding industry down here. Today's episode is actually inspired by another podcast that I love. It's called What We Said. And today I'm doing a solo episode. Basically, I'm going to share your guys' responses to funny, thought-provoking questions regarding death, the supernatural, all things creepy and Halloween-ish. And so I'm really excited for it. We also had you guys send in stories of your own spooky experiences with murderers, criminals, ghosts, um, and tragedy, I guess, whatever it might be. So like I said, I'm pretty excited for it. And for me, fall is my favorite season. I have a lot of nostalgic memories from growing up. And so I just always look forward to fall. And I think that this episode is just perfect um, for Halloween this week. So we're going to start with some of the polls that we did, and then we'll get into all the scary stories. Can't wait for that. Um, So the beginning questions were just kind of warming people up to everything. So we asked, have you ever sensed the presence of a ghost or spirit? And 70% of people said yes, which is so creepy. I would say yes, but I don't feel like I've ever really like seen a spirit. Um, so thankfully I think I'd freak out if that happened unless it was in a good way. Um, but still, I think that'd be just kind of eerie. Um, but I have felt that presence of someone else there. Uh, second was what is harder for you to think about when you will die or how you will die. This was almost a tie, but 52% of you said when you die is harder to think about. So you're more worried about when it'll happen rather than how it'll happen. I think for me, it's probably more when as well, because if I think about how it's like, regardless, I'll die some way, but the timing is kind of like, how much time do you have left? For me, I think it's harder to think about. And and most of you agree, but it was a, it was a pretty close tie on that one. Our next question was about cannibalism. So if your options are to starve or eat, a human version of a chicken nugget. 45% of you said you would eat the human nugget. And I never judge what my followers answer, like, because I ask a lot of personal questions. But this one I judge because that's freaking disgusting. Like, I'm like, ew, because I just, I can't, like, I can't even eat a hamburger. So I don't think I could handle, I think I would just want to die. I also just have to know with like that one, if you do it, then like, how do you live with yourself after? Like, it's not like you just eat it and you get to survive. Like, you also have to survive with the fact that you that you ate another human. Like, I just can't. I don't. It's more than just taking the bite and living to me. It's like living with myself, knowing that that's what I had to do. Oh, I just want to throw up. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> Our next question was: Have you ever saved someone's life? Seventy percent of people said no, and. 
Personally, I feel like yes for me twice because one time we were tubing. Hopefully my dad doesn't get mad for this. We were tubing and we went. My dad was like whipping us around all crazy and we were on a four-man tube, so they're pretty hard to flip. But we just went off some crazy waves and we all flew off and my brother ended up getting knocked out in the middle of the water and almost drowned. So uh, me and my cousin saved him and swam his body back to the boat and kept him uh, above surface and i don't know it was pretty intense he his eyes were like in the back of his head it was pretty gross so that was crazy and then in high school we i had some friends coming over one time and we were home alone and they were we my friend had gotten to my house and it was like we lived kind of in the middle of nowhere growing up like when i was in high school and so um, you don't just have people like parked in your driveway ever. But anyways, there's this person in this car parked in my driveway and the car was like running and there's a girl sitting in it. And my friend came and she's like, are is someone else coming over? And I'm like, no, because we lived, you know, like in the woods and stuff. And, and she's like, there's a car out in your driveway. And so then we all start kind of freaking out. We finally get the nerve to go out there and we go up to the car and it's totally on and the light inside is on and there's a girl like like passed out um in the car and so we start getting scared like what if this is like a bait situation or whatever and um anyways but we also didn't want to just leave her because we didn't know if she was like dead or not and so we start knocking the door she's not responsive like all this stuff but the car is running we what ends up happening is we call 911 and she had basically been she had overdosed and so they had gotten there in time and had were able to break into her car like in the window and get her out and just get her in an ambulance and start pumping her and so I don't I never found out if she did live or not um but um if she did then yeah I definitely feel like we saved her life so that was a pretty crazy situation when we were like 16 to be (laughs) there's like three 16 year olds basically trying to figure out what to do in the middle of nowhere so yeah that was kind of our our my life saving someone's life story i think those are the only two that i can think of but um kind of intense and unexpected moments when that does happen but it's good to kind of know what to do and kind of think through some thoughts of like okay what would I do? Who who do think about who you call? Obviously, it's like 911 and stuff, but even knowing like CPR and stuff so you can help people if needed. One of the last like poll questions we did, we did a bunch. These are just kind of my favorites from that group of questions we asked. But one of the last ones that we're going to go over was how pick how you die. And the options were health issues. So cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, anything health related. A tragic accident, so drowning, fire, car accident, plane accident, whatever. The third option was just murder me quickly. Um, So yeah, I think we all know what that means. And then D was something wild, like skydiving, an animal attack, um, just something that is unheard of and crazy. Oh, natural disasters. So the majority of people want to die related to health issues. So just kind of you know, phase out of life in that way. But surprisingly, the, these two almost tied something wild or just murder me quickly. And like those two were like high on the scale of how people want to die as well. Like they were close to the health issues one, which I was surprised about. I'm like, I don't really want to be murdered. Like 
that just sounds um, traumatic. Even though you're dead, you just like go into heaven, walk into heaven with like PTSD about getting murdered. I mean, how like, no, thank you. I'd rather not. Our next question that we're going to go to is what is the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you or your community? A mysterious doll showed up on my doll shelf as a child and we still don't know where it came from. Ah, no. Is it still there? You didn't tell us what happened to it. <laughs> so the next one's kind of about urban legends and or family um, superstitions. And so this girl wrote in about how Hawaiians believe in night marchers during a full moon. People claim to hear their drums. And then she also wrote in about a couple stories um, in Hawaii. So she goes, I was about five or six years old and we lived on an old plantation house here in Kauai. I had a nightlight and I remember waking up and saw a man that I thought was my dad. When I called out dad, he was gone. So I got out of bed and went to my parents' room to ask what my what my dad was doing or what he wanted. But my dad was sleeping in bed when I woke him up. Also, the man didn't look anything like my father, but I don't remember feeling comfortable in the home after that. My parents also said that before they painted their walls white, the walls were black and they felt a bit uneasy there. That's the reason they painted the inside of the house white. An auntie of mine also visited our home and was alone in the home when she heard running up and down our hallway. It was a creepy plantation home for sure. Another story when I when my sister and I lived in a modern home here, so maybe she's talking about like the main mainland USA. We stayed in a bedroom studio downstairs. Often the TV would go on by itself as well as the lights. Our Hawaiian auntie is spiritually sensitive and said she sensed that our room was on the trail of night marchers, Hawaiian ghost legend. Oh, so maybe that house wasn't Hawaii. Whether it was true or not, we would often sleep with the lights on or just go into our brother's room upstairs. Ah, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I might cry while I read these. Just so if you hear my tears, that's why. Someone wrote in, our current apartment is sketchy sometimes. Our TV will turn on at the witching hour all by itself in the middle of the night or only when I'm home by myself, never when my husband is home. It won't even turn back off with the remote or with the physical TV button. You literally have to unplug it from the wall. Also, it only plays voices and noise. It doesn't ever have the actual screen picture come on. And since we've lived in this apartment, I have had the scariest dreams. And my husband has to wake me up and my body will be twitching and writhing and I'll be sweating. I'll be asking for help in my sleep. <laughs> she goes, love that. Uh, Yeah, not for me. I can't. <laughs> This next story is a series kind of of stories that one person shared with me. They lived in a neighborhood and in a home that was built on an old Native American battlefield. And so there was just a lot of paranormal activity that took place in that neighborhood. And so, yeah, we're just going to read or I'm just going to read these stories that they sent me and shared with me. So... They said, when I was in junior high, I started noticing really creepy things. At first, you'd hear footsteps and running upstairs back and forth in the hallway. Then you'd hear things moving around like doors. When I would sit in the living room, I'd see a shadow moving back and forth in the hallway in my peripheral vision. It wasn't just me. It was everyone in my family that would notice this. We'd also hear talking and voices all of the time. Both of my parents had creepy experiences where the spirits imitated my voice. My dad was in the shower one day when I was at school 
and while he was showering, he heard from downstairs, Dad, I'm home. Right after that, the dog started freaking out. And so he went downstairs, and as he got down there, he saw me getting off the bus and walking towards the door. I was not home when that was yelled. Then there was a different experience where my mom was fast asleep. Actually, the mom wasn't fast asleep. The girl was fast asleep, and her mom was watching TV in the middle of the night. The mom heard this person laughing really loudly and uncontrollably in the bathroom. When she went to tell me to go to bed, she opened the bathroom door and no one was there. She went into my bedroom and I was fast asleep in the bedroom. There was also a period of time when I could see orbs moving in corners of the room in the middle of the night. They would balance back and forth between the corners. My dad also woke up one night and felt like there was something standing on his chest and he couldn't move. The next day when he got up, his chest was really sore. It was also common for our family to hear whispering conversations and bickering throughout the whole house. Our whole family would hear it, but you couldn't really make out what was being said. We had enough experiences that we called a paranormal group from the state that came out to do some readings. They took a bunch of footage and heat sensory images that would pick up activity and changes as they would ask questions in each room. They'd ask a question in the room and then leave, but they would have recorders put in the room that could pick up the conversations or different things that were going on. In one particular instance, they set the recorder in the room and they left, and then the dog began barking and a woman said, shh, be quiet. Right after on the recording, you could hear the dog cowering in a response to the voice. They determined that spirits were protective of my mom and her stuff. They would the paranormal team would go in the room, they'd pick up my mom's stuff to aggravate the spirits, and then the spirits would tell them to put the things down in the recording and say things like, don't touch that. She she goes on to say, my brother's room had the most activity, and they would hear the items being moved around in his room the most. The paranormal investigators gave the videos to us and the recordings, and they told us they staged the home and described that what they heard was two distinct female voices and one male. One of the females was more dominant and would pick fights with the other two. She also shared that while they were living in that house, um, her great-grandma had passed away and there was a pair of earrings that her mom had. The One of the earrings was missing, so the mom only had one of the earrings, and so the mom made that into a necklace. While living in the house, the necklace suddenly went missing, and it was always in the same place. And so it was really sad for the mom like when they when the necklace went missing. Later, a few years later, the mom got remarried and moved to a new home. And one day when she after she had sold the home and had moved houses, she came downstairs in her new home and the necklace was smack in the middle of the floor in a perfect circle as if someone had been wearing it and then set it down. The mom, the daughter, everyone involved basically made the assumption that the the ghosts or the spirits in the previous home had taken it, but that the grandmother, the great-grandmother, was there to return it and had left it for um, her mom. So that was kind of a sweet ending um, to all of those crazy paranormal activities. These stories are pretty creepy. I've been to that house and um, 
yeah. So for me, it's very visual <laughs> to be reading these and kind of creeps me out. But, um, but yeah, I think that with all of that, there's definitely, I just, I feel like Native American culture, there's a lot of ties to spiritual things um, and a lot of beliefs centered around the earth and spirituality and stuff like that. And so honestly, like I don't doubt that these things happened and that they might have been motivated by like energies um, within that area. Anyways, so kind of hopefully no one's listening to this at night (laughs) because a lot of her stories happened at night. (laughs) This one is a corn maze tragedy. So this happened in 2014 in Hauser Lake, Idaho. A lot of my followers and friends, the audience is from there. So that's where quite a few of these stories are coming from. But it goes like this. A little after 10 p.m. on a Friday night, the sheriff's office received a call that there had been an accident at the Incredible Corn Maze. After an investigation, deputies found that a high school student was working as a role player in the zombie attraction at the Incredible Corn Maze when tragedy struck. The teen was performing his role as a zombie and emerged from his hiding spot and ran toward the bus. As he did this, multiple witnesses say he stumbled, falling forward, and landed directly in front of the passenger side rear tire of the bus. He was immediately run over and appears to have been killed instantly. The bus was moving in a forward direction at the time and was described as creeping along at a speed that did not even register on the speedometer. Due to the uneven terrain of the cornfield, rocking of the bus is common and nobody was immediately aware of the tragedy that had just occurred. Many of the patrons believed it was just part of the ride. It was not until the bus traveled away from the victim's location and the role players began to reset for the next bus to come along that anyone realized something was wrong. The fire rescue was dispatched and um, they shut down the corn maze for the weekend. And I remember when that happened. That was like so sad um, for the community and the area. And I know people that were friends with that person. So super sad. Okay, the next one is our house was in North Carolina and it was haunted because it was built on an old burial ground. The third floor was my brother's room and he would hear children talking and whispering through his Bose speaker even when it was completely unplugged. No, nope, I can't. I can't do this. Oh my gosh. Also, his shower curtain would slide open by itself. Either that or his sheets. I can't remember. And our dog would whine and bark if we tried to get her to come upstairs with us. Also, the dog would bark at random corners of the house. It was hard for me to fall asleep in my room because I would feel like someone was in my room with me and watching over me in a creepy way, not a sweet way. Her brother <laughs> her brother was little and would always complain that he would always see someone standing in his room with him. He was constantly having terrible nightmares. The next story, one of my scary, weird experiences was at the in-laws in the middle of the day. I clearly heard someone yell my name. I thought it was my mother-in-law who I was expecting to return from an errand, so I yelled back, yeah, and started walking towards the voice where where I heard the voice, only to find out I was still home alone. No one was home or at the door, just me and whatever yelled my name. My mother-in-law arrived about 20 minutes later. Uh, let's not pretend to be other people even after we die. 
Okay, so since you guys all were writing in yours, I thought I would share my near-death experience. So when I was in junior high, a bunch of families went sledding together. We were in the middle of the woods at a hill. The hill was shaped, imagine a bowl where you're at the top and you sled to the center of the bowl. And it was surrounded by heavy forest. So the families were all together with their kids sledding to the center and during this my best friend and i got bored so we decided to go on a walk around the woods we ended up laying down to just talk and stare at the falling snow and make snow angels and do whatever we were just basically talking and getting away from all the little kids and eventually we heard something walking a few feet away from us like the crunching in the snow and we were off the main trail kind of next to some brush so I don't know if we were visible from the main trail because the snow gets really deep out there but anyways we could hear footsteps really close to us and so we started whispering and we were asking each other if we could see someone if we thought someone was there but we got scared enough that we just convinced ourselves it was an animal and The footsteps were heavy enough to be a larger animal like a deer or elk, but we didn't want to spook it, so we just stayed put. After a few minutes, we started hearing our family screaming for us, and in typical teenage fashion, we decided to not listen and wait before going back. Well, when we did eventually go back, the families were all like freaked out, packed up, and and went back home. And it wasn't until... um, a few months later that my mom told me it got brought up like what happened on that that December day when our families were out sledding so that's my version and then when she described her version it's kind of freaky so as the families were sledding they were watching all the kids sled to the center of the bowl that I described and the kids were going all down and suddenly this man appeared on the opposite side of the sledding hill of the bowl and that's the side that my friend and I were like at and this man appeared out of the trees and started he was like extremely creepy and um, felt very threatening to the women and the parents and the kids but anyways he came out and he walked down and walked towards the children in the center of the bowl and stopped and at that point the moms like told their the husbands to go get their guns and whatnot and the dads like kind of slid down to show him just to kind of stand off in a way like you need to leave like there's there's people here you're acting weird like you're not allowed to just be creepy basically so he turned around and he went back And my mom told me that this guy had been hiding out in the woods from the police. I can't find anything that is confirming this in the news stories that I'm like looking up and everything. But basically, my mom had told me that this guy is the same guy who had killed a family and was hiding in the woods waiting to be caught. So what happened is he had attacked a family Um, That was his neighbors. They think that he had mental problems and was schizophrenic and all this stuff. But the family was watching TV and he burst in carrying a large knife and a large hammer and started swearing at them and then attacked the family with the hammer. Um, Deputies found the woman, one of the women at the home, heavily bleeding with head wounds and stating that she wanted to go to sleep. She was rushed to the hospital 
multiple people, um, four people died in this attack. Um, there's a bunch of people in the home, but four people were killed. And he went to a nearby diner and said that he needed to call the cops because he killed three or four people. He didn't complete the phone call, before, but he robbed a customer's beer, drank it, and then left a dollar on the bar, according to the police report. And then I can't find details about like that he went and hid in the woods, but I just remember as a kid, like that experience happening and my mom had her experience and then her telling me that that was the same guy that was like hiding in the woods. So anyways, I count that as my near-death experience um, because we definitely heard him, whoever the man was, if it was him or not, we definitely heard him walking very close to us, you know, within six to eight feet, I would think. So not sure if my friend remembers that, but that's my, that's our near-death experience with the killer. This is from a guy listener. It's actually one that some of these, so I did this last year too, but I just didn't have a podcast. I just reshare them on my story. So some of these are from like a year ago when people wrote in, but um, this, this guy was on his mission and they kept having haunted things happen in their apartment. So he describes, we had these huge closet doors that were heavy mirrors. And at night, my partner would close them before bed. And when we woke up the next morning, one of them would be open like two feet. He asked me if I opened the door and I was like, nope. I started waking up. Oops. I started waking up at like one to three in the morning every night. And when I would roll over, I would notice the door open and the room would be freezing cold. Then one night I made sure to close the doors. I went to bed and fell asleep. I woke up at like 1.30 and rolled over and the closet door was open like a foot. I was so tired, so I rolled over and went back to sleep. I woke up an hour later, but this time I was wide awake, like I really alert. I knew someone was in the room with us. I was freezing cold and I didn't want to move because I felt like someone was standing over me. I was rolled over on my side facing the wall. Then I felt my comforter start to move. It was being pulled from my neck down to my shoulders, and then it got yanked off of me and thrown onto the floor. I was legit paralyzed and could not move. I finally got the courage to turn around, so I whipped around, and my companion, that's like his his missionary partner, was completely passed out in his bed on the other side of the room. I looked at the closet, and one of the doors was open all the way, and the room was super cold and heavy. I grabbed my cover, sat up, and just stared at the closet, waiting waiting until morning and I didn't say anything to my companion because I thought he would think I was crazy I got transferred to a new area shortly after that and nothing else happened freakiest thing that's ever happened to me still oh my gosh the freaking blanket moved I can't I'm not sleeping tonight (laughs) the next one is again from Coeur d'Alene Idaho that's where a lot of the audience and followers and write-in stories are from. The kid's last name is Samuel, so that's what I'll call him. So Samuel was 14 years old when he murdered his father and his younger brother. According to court documents, he was home. his home life was a complete disaster. And from what I know, his parents were like abusive and were addicts. But his father was preparing their sons for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and his mother was fighting drug addiction. On the day of the murder, Samuel fatally shot his father before attacking his 13-year-old brother with a machete, stabbing him to death. Um, Original reports I read said that he had stabbed him, like, over the brother, who was autistic, 
over a hundred times um, and let him like bleed to death. The Samuel was convicted of two counts of first degree murder and sent, sentenced to life in prison with possibility of parole. That was a pretty disturbing case as well. And I remember seeing the original like picture from uh, what's that called? The mugshot. And that kid looked dark. Like it was just very scary because he's literally like 14 when he did that. But anyways, Coeur a great place, but there every few years is something creepy that seems to happen. The next one is sent in by one of my friends. And basically what happened is this guy saw a woman at Walmart and followed her home and shot her. And the the criminal who shot the woman was had served time in the prison for the 70s for rape. Then he got out and committed like 17 more assaults, rapes, robberies, and the murder. At the time, my friend's family also shared a fence. Like this was their neighbor. And so their backyard shared a fence with the backyard of the woman who was killed. She wrote, for the longest time, we always thought it was the husband that killed her because he was kind of weird, super OCD. He had to park his car on carpet squares while he cleaned it and was just super quiet and strange. He had a weird vibe, but we just barely found out that this guy is the one who actually killed her. At the time, we had police search our backyard and everywhere looking for a weapon. And at the time, her mom was home alone, so it's just creepy to think about. Ugh. I was playing at a friend's and remember coming home to police everywhere all over. Her toddler was also home in the crib when she was killed. So sad. Um, that's a horrible story. All of you guys have all these creepy like serial killer stories. Um, okay, so the next one is about Kevin Coe, the South Hill, Spokane South Hill rapist. From 1978 to 1981, a rapist who committed as many as 37 brutal assaults kept the city of Spokane terrified. Police scoured the city for the South Hill rapist, so named because many of the rapes took place in the city's upscale South Hill neighborhood. So, in 1981, Friedrich Harlan Kevin Coe was arrested in connection with several of those rapes. One of the write-ins that made me like look up what that was, was the, the writer said... I used to run on the south side years ago, and then I found out that the route I ran was right in front of the Kevin Co. rapist home. <laughs> oh, she's lucky she didn't get hurt. Um, that's so creepy, though. Another write-in said, My niece just bought a house. When remodeling, the electrician found a room that was totally closed in. No doors or windows, but was completely finished and had furniture in it. A whole couch and stuff. Ugh. That just makes me cringe because it's like, what was that room being used for? Um, super creepy. Did the previous owners know about it? Like, what? what's the deal with that? Okay, let's do a ghost one. On travels one time when I was young, we stayed at a hotel. I don't remember where. My oldest sister was about five or six at the time. We all fell asleep together, and then in the middle of the night, my parents heard a knock on the door, and it was my sister. The door was bolted still, so even if she somehow reached it to unlock the door after we had fallen asleep, someone would have had to relock it when she left. She had no memory of how she got out. Our family has always been so spooked out by that. The next one said, this isn't her personal story, but it happened to her old dance teacher who lived on an Indian reservation. She would always tell us stories about her and her husband have seen a chief multiple times passing their window wearing a headdress. They would also find bullet casings in their barn almost every morning. 
She said that their farm had a lot of ghosts on it. Well, I don't really believe it until one night we had a team sleepover at her house. We play, <laughs> we played ghosts at the graveyard on their farm, and I had a weird feeling the entire time. Eventually, we all we all started to head back in, and multiple girls who were never with each other told the same story of seeing an Indian riding a horse in the pasture. I thought maybe they planned the story since we had been talking about the ghost earlier, but each girl was in a different location on the farm. Oh, that's so scary. That was a write-in, so I just read exactly what she what she wrote. Okay, so this is another story that got sent in, um, and it's also before cell phones were a thing, so that might be important as you listen. During the height of our traveling years for business, we had made a trip to Italy. My husband had warned me about the Italian men and their sexual aggressiveness at that time, so I had some warning, but it wasn't what I expected until a couple of awkward situations took place with our tour guide pushing himself against me and groping me, etc. during tours at the Vatican and other um, historical sites. Then later on that same trip, my husband had to go to meetings at a different part of the city in Italy. This is when the fitness world was also becoming popular in America, so I was at the height of my running years and I'd do 6 to 10 miles a day. There was a small town about four miles away that was doing a little fair, so I thought, perfect, I'll just run over and run back when I'm done just in time for my husband to get home. I took off and started running to the little village, and I was running on the side that you're supposed to with traffic and all the European rules. Pretty soon, I get to the point that I'm having all these cars honking at me and catcalling me, along with other things. I, I get really scared because some would pull over and try to talk to me, and we're just being profane, basically. I was so scared, but I finally made it to the town, However, the thought of running back was so terrifying that I spent as long as possible at the fair before finally deciding I would just sprint back. Pretty quickly into my run home, the same thing started happening. I was so terrified and grateful when I finally made it back to the hotel. When I finally made it back, I told my husband everything and he was so shocked and warned me not to go out again. We ended up going out to dinner with his partner and he made the comment that my wife found out my wife found out what the Italian men are like, and the partner said, well, what do you mean? After I began explaining what happened, his eyes got so big, and he said, oh, no. He then explained that they thought I was a prostitute because that's what they do here. They go and they run alongside and walk on the roads during that time. Um, I don't know if that still happens, but at that point in time, that's what they were doing. Then it got worse because as soon as we got back to the hotel, we turned on the TV and the news was telling us that the prostitutes in this part of Italy were on a strike because they were mad at other European prostitutes for coming in and stealing their business. So any prostitutes that were out that day were sending a message um, that meant it was freebie day if you were on the roads and saw prostitutes. I about died, literally and physically. <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. That would be so scary. <laughs> Just make sure you do research, I guess, before you go to other countries. And I don't think you could get away with much of that today, um, especially as a woman <laughs> traveling alone. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys, for writing these spooky stories in. I had fun reading them and getting scared. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Keep writing things in when we put polls out on our Instagram. That's where... Um, we get these stories or we get the polls. So if you want to be part of that, then make sure to follow us at Michaela Riley. I'll have that kind of at the end too. But 
yeah, I loved this episode. I thought it was super fun. So the last thing to end us on a high note that we asked is for people to send in and pick their favorite fall tradition. So some answers that we got are going to pumpkin patches, corn mazes, haunted houses, trick-or-treating with the whole family, trick-or-treating with friends, certain candies people loved, um, the crunch of fall leaves on our walks, getting hot chocolate. For me, my personal one that's nostalgic is my mom would always put candy corn in the entryway and she had this little like haunted house set up on the entryway table. So I loved that growing up and she would make a lot of breads and soups. But yeah, I just remember coming home from school and turning on Disney Channel and like watching all the Halloween specials for the whole month. So yeah, stay spooky, stay safe and have a good Halloween, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Picked Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to share with your friends. If you want to follow along with us on Instagram, it's at Michaela Riley. And if you're feeling really nice, leave a rating and review on the podcast app.